Hi, I'm Fioni. I'm a mother, a birth keeper, a teacher, a woman's mentor, a body worker, a doula, and so much more. Hi, I'm Deborah. I'm a mother, a humanitarian worker, a yoga teacher, and a student doula. In this podcast, we bring together women who share their journeys to motherhood with us. We want women to share their doubts, their fears, what they've learned along the way, and their memories. Our goal is to inspire, inform, and empower. Each woman is unique and has a story to tell. We hope that you'll love these stories as much as we do. Welcome to the Becoming Mother podcast. Welcome back to the Becoming Mother podcast. Hi, Theoni. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I had a beautiful swim this morning to be ready for the day. So, yeah, I'm good. H hence your beautiful curly hair. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Lovely. So how are you today, Deborah? Um, I'm in Kenya and it's our third week here. We finally found a house, but it was quite a challenge because the houses are, are gigantic. Really? They all have six bedrooms. Six, six bedrooms. Oh, and we're like, uh, we, are, we are a small family. We, we need a small house. And so have you found a place? Yes, we finally found a place that we like. Uh, it has a very beautiful green garden so we're super happy with it and it's quite small for the standards here so lovely uh, it's more like us good yeah this is our fourth episode and it's quite special because um, we are chatting with olivia who lives in canada and i think it's interesting to bring someone who is somewhere very far away from us all the way in canada and uh, to, for our audience also to see how birth can go in a very different place This episode is lovely for people to listen to because Olivia had her babies really close together and that can be really challenging, especially as they get bigger and they grow. And I feel like her birth stories really uh, gave her the resilience um, and the courage she needs to be a mother of two very little people. And she just uh, handled it with so much grace and humor. Uh, so I think our audience is going to enjoy listening to her story. Hello. Today is a very special episode because we are going to interview Olivia, uh, who is living in Canada. And I've known Olivia for many, many years that I can't even count anymore. Uh, we were 11 <laughs> years old at school. And it's actually a cute story. I was new at school because we've moved to another town. And my mom, um, I don't know why my mom was there on the first day of school. And she, she saw Olivia and she said, can you be my daughter's friend? And then <laughs> that's how we became friends. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yes. uh, that's how our friendship started. And, and then we were together in high school and then we both moved a lot. And now Olivia lives in Canada and we haven't seen each other for a little, little bit, but we're going to see each other very soon for her wedding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's how we know each other. So Olivia, if you can introduce yourself just to fill us in about who you are. Yeah. So I'm 37 right now. I have two children who are two years and eight months And the other one, the little girl, Iris, she's 16 months, 16 months. And I do have a husband uh, who lives um, in Boston right now. We are a little bit, you know, like uh, broken apart because of work. But we are moving to Boston in about two months. 
And so right now we live in the south of Montreal, in the south shore of Montreal. So that's our family. And my mom is behind helping me out because my husband's not here. And um, yeah, so that's my family. We also have a dog and a cat, which are also a big part of the family. So that's the family. And what do you do? (laughs) So I work at the bank. So I'm a credit analyst. I work in the bank in a real estate, commercial real estate. Nothing really, you know, like uh, very exciting, but you know. It does pay the bill. It gives me the flexibility to work from home, take care of the kids. And yes, it's a great place to live and work. So, And uh, I love, you know, I love your love story, uh, how you met your ah, hubby. Yes. <laughs> so I would, love, I would love for you to tell a story about how you guys met. <laughs> Good thing my, uh, my in-laws don't speak English, right? Because if they ever listen to this, they'd probably be, oh, really? Is that how? I, so I, I moved to Canada in 2010, uh, 12 years ago, and then very fast. So I moved to Montreal and very fast um, I met this, uh, I was set up with this guy from Toronto. And so I, I pretty quickly moved to Montreal, uh, to Toronto, I would say January 2012. I lived there with him and then he dumped me. And so it was kind of like the start of Tinder at that time at least in Canada. And so, you know, like everybody, I went on Tinder and I went on a very unsuccessful date, I will call it. We went to this bar that doesn't exist anymore. And when I was at this bar with this date, I met another guy who I gave my number to. And then I never heard from him again. And so with the guy I was at the date with, didn't work out because he was scared of dogs. So I actually did find him hiding in my closet almost naked. So yeah. (laughs) Anyway, six months forward and I have a a text message from this guy I gave my number to, but I didn't know it was him. So anyway, he says, Hey, that's me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who this is. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, holy man. Anyway, he found out that we met at the bar six months earlier And he's like, oh, I'm texting the wrong Olivia. But if you want to go on a date, we could go on a date. So we went on a date. And we did we did date a bit for three months until he had to move for work. And then, you know, life went on and he came back in 2016. And so we started dating again, but very casually because at that time I was 31 and I wanted more than just casually dating. But he invited me to his best friend wedding. And so I did go to his best friend wedding. That's where I uh, saw uh, my husband for the first time and I, I found him very handsome. But I say, oh, it's another Canadian. I can't deal with it anymore. Like Canadian dating is <laughs> not for me. And But I found myself smoking, having a cigarette and this handsome guy was there too. And we started to talk. And he had this kind of like a British accent, but mixed with another accent I wasn't too sure about. And, you know, when I speak, I don't really have the French accent per se. Um, I kind of have like a bit of German as well, because that was my first language I learned at school. And so anyway, after five minutes of talking together, we realized we were both French. So <laughs> we spoke French uh, and... Yeah, I asked him if he wanted my number. He said no. And I was like, okay, um, I'm going to let you have more drinks. And after a few drinks, he actually uh, went home with me. <laughs> and so the other guys never talked to me again, never. 
<laughs> so that's the story of how I met my husband. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew, I knew right away that he was a keeper. So even though we didn't talk, like I, I did the whole conversation um, <laughs> for like two hours. But. He's a good listener. And so you've known <laughs> each other for obviously quite a while. So at, at what point did you start, you know, thinking about or talking about having children together? I mean, so I would say it was pretty fast because, again, you know, he's French and we already were about, so I was 31, he was 34 when we met and he already had nephews um, that he like took care of for at least a good year, like babysitting. And so he knew that he wanted kids. I kind of knew I wanted kids, I guess, too, you know, but um, I think it was more an evidence for him than for me. And so, yeah, we, we knew it would happen eventually. We didn't know when. I just didn't want to wait too long because, you know, we were already 31 and 34. And we didn't know if it was going to work. Obviously, it was the first time, you know. So so pretty pretty early on, we decided that uh, we would have kids. But we wanted to wait a bit, though. And so you said for you, it was also an, quite obvious that you wanted to have children. Did you always well, know that you wanted to become a mother or not? Because I no, think I'd, no. I don't remember that. I didn't want, you... I didn't want right. kids. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want kids. I had this bad idea of kids being annoying. And then, you know, like, I think I had this whole fear about uh, giving birth. I think that's probably also what always made me think I never want to have kids. I never want to go through that. It seems so hard and and so painful. And, you know, so I'll tell you after how I came to be okay with it. But yeah, so I didn't want kids. Yeah, didn't want kids. And even when I met him, it wasn't an evidence that I wanted kids. But, you know, not because I don't like kids, but more because of the whole process of being pregnant and giving birth. That was what scared me the most, I think. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. So so on your journey to to becoming pregnant, I mean, did you I know you wanted to wait a while, but you know, was it easy to get pregnant? Did it take time? So what happened is so first, how how did I come to finally be okay with being pregnant? Is that um, I did my yoga teacher my teacher, yoga teacher training um, in two thousand and two thousand seventeen. I finished my yoga teacher training, and when I moved back to Montreal, I did prenatal postnatal um, yoga teacher training. And the teacher, the, the instructor that was doing the yoga teacher training was also a doula. And we did talk, obviously, a lot about, you know, like pregnancies, anatomy, and everything that goes with. And that's how it kind of opened my mind to natural birthing, to doulas. And so, yeah, that's when I got interested in this. So we decided to try, I would, I would say we started probably around... Uh, July or August, maybe, of 2018. And, you know, I would see my friend getting pregnant and it wasn't really working out, but we weren't really trying very hard. And the thing is, I was in Montreal and my husband was still in Toronto. So we did distance for a year. So, you know, it's hard to coordinate, uh, to coordinate, you know, like to have ovulation and weekends at the same times, right? Yeah, but eventually, you know, uh, it it worked out, and so it took probably really seriously three months to get pregnant with my first pregnancy. The second one 
this the first try worked out because by then I knew when I was ovulating. So it was I knew my <laughs> my body, I knew the signs, and it worked like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, so being pregnant, uh, you know, was uh, for my first was obviously the unknown, right? I right away, obviously, I wanted to be uh, to have a midwife. At first, I did uh, meet with a doctor to have, you know, my uh, pregnancy uh, follow up appointment, and it was so unknown. And then I, I was told I had to do a nuchal clarity ultrasound. I didn't, I never heard of this. The doctor never told me about it, and. I actually knew when I went to do like a kind of like a datation, you know, like um, ultrasound and I only had literally a week to do it. So it was stressful and um, I had to go get my blood drawn, obviously, because I was pregnant and, you know, I had to go at 7 a.m. to do with everybody to go at the hospital. So anyway, I had requested a midwife, you know, like follow up and I did get a midwife. I was lucky to get one and she uh, she's a wonderful midwife. How it works in Canada is that you can have either your family doctor doing your pregnancy follow up. You can have an OBGYN or you can have a midwife. And what happened with a midwife, uh, they're not medical in the sense that, you know, in France, they are medical. They do medical. They can do prescription and everything here in Canada. They can't do prescription. They can do blood draw, though. They can do a lot of tests uh, that are required during the pregnancy. So you you literally only have to go see your midwife and they do everything, you know, like on site. So that's great. The Mm -hmm. only thing they don't do are the ultrasounds. And then when you give birth, you have a choice to give birth at home with the midwife, um, at the birthing center, if you're more comfortable being at the birth center, or you can go to the hospital, but give being given like that the midwife does the birthing with you, right? I was very happy to have a midwife and uh, to have the follow-up appointment. And how uh, how are your pregnancies? Do you enjoy being pregnant? Because having that fear initially, uh, how, how did you experience so, your pregnancies? I was actually... I was actually pretty okay with the pregnancy, but I, I found that this whole medical follow-up gives more more stress than it should with, you know, the ultrasounds and everything. So for Marius, for my first pregnancy at the 20 weeks ultrasound, which is the anatomy scan, they found that he has dilated kidney and we had to do more follow-up. And then I think at 32 weeks, I was told that he had like, it was too big and I might have to give birth earlier because I might have uh, pregnancy diabetes. And anyway, it was overly, overly done, you know, like, uh, and then I had to go to what we call the clinic, the high risk pregnancy clinic to get more follow-ups. I had to prick myself for the diabetes to make sure that everything was fine. Anyway, so like I think at 36 or 38 weeks, I had a follow-up ultrasound and then the OBGYN, she's like, oh no, your baby is, is measuring fine now. So it's probably not that big. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean. Anyway, so I was a bit annoyed. And then Marius, we went on to 42 weeks. In Canada, the term is 40 weeks, but you can go all the way to 42 weeks if you have enough, okay. you know, amniotic fluid. And so I went to 42 weeks, but then they they asked me if I wanted an induction and I was 
at 42 weeks, I was done. I did do a lot of sport with Marius, lots of uh, climbing. I climbed until two days before giving birth. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I was, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I remember um, that picture of you uh, climbing with your big belly. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I And we we, um, we did hike. We did big hikes until, like, I wanted the baby out, right? So big hikes and nothing worked. So I got inducted. And, you know, like, that was not the most pleasant birthing I had. So basically, my doula didn't come. Because, you know, I had uh, epi, um, no, epidural. Mm -hmm. And so she said, you know, like, you're going to have epidural. You, you're going to be like, so there is no point for me to come. The midwife did come, though. So that was nice. Uh, even though she didn't have to, she did. And, but, you know, like, took time. And we had intervention with, like, the forceps, the vacuum. I had the pushing of the big Denise, the nurse pushing on my uterus and oh, wow. it really hurt. Yeah, yeah. Now I know now I know that it's forbidden in France. In Canada it's not, but in France it's forbidden. I'm like, I was lucky that I didn't have my uterus ruptured, you know? And I mean, and this mm. is coming from someone who was prepared, right? I was prepared. I had like done the extensive with my doula, the extensive a prenatal, you know, like appointments we have and she explained to me everything but this one thing anyway. So Marius was a bit distressed and spent a night at the, what we call the Pouponnière. So it's probably the, the not I the nursery, nursery, but yeah, yeah it's kind but of like the nursery. It was, was, yeah, yeah, it had like CPAP and oxygen for like, I would say like almost 24 hours. So, you know, it was kind of rough. They took it from me, they took him from me, like probably just 15 seconds, I could hold him only. Oh wow! So yeah, wasn't fun. Didn't really enjoy it. The OBGYN was wonderful. Honestly, she was really nice. And but like this whole pushing on the uterus really like wasn't nice. But luckily, I had no really bad. You know, I had nothing bad after. Everything went well. I had no tears, nothing because I did a lot of uh, you know prenatal massage of the pelvic pelvic floor. So that was um, like... Uh, the per the perineum massage? Yeah, perineum yeah. massage, yeah. So we did that. Mm. It was nice on that side. I did some, yeah, perineal, you know, like uh, re-education after. But yeah, that, that, that birthing wasn't fun. And so for the second one, first I was praying for not having an induction. And so I did have control. So I did a lot of preparation. I did hypnobirthing. I did uh, autonomy. I did a lot of acupuncture. I did a lot of things with this pregnancy. I really wanted to be even more prepared than I was before. Yeah, how was that second pregnancy? Because you you had your your babies quite yeah. close to each other. Yeah, it was actually the the only small issue I had was um, the placenta being placed too close to the the cervix for a while but then uh you know like at 32 weeks at the follow-up ultrasound then it was all good and she was like i had no issues like really it was smoother and then yes i uh, i i did prepare very well for this one and <laughs> i mean as much as you can be obviously and so did you have a birth plan and did you so yeah we always had, well? we have 
So I I did not have a doula because we had confusion around that. And, you know, it was during the pandemic. So doula were not allowed in um, the birthplace, wherever it was. So I didn't want to spend the money and not having her, you know. So I decided yeah. not to have the doula. Yeah. Uh, but I did a lot of preparation on the side. I had contraction, I think started at 41 weeks, but very, very slight contractions. And then that was on a Thursday. And then on a Friday, I had an acupuncture appointment uh, to make things, you know, like accelerate a bit. I also had an uh, osteopath appointment to make sure that also this was taken care of. Friday, I had contraction coming back from those appointments but very low very slight very you know not too much only when I was in the car Saturday nothing happened and I remember my friend coming uh, so that was Saturday the 13th of February and I was saying to my friend yeah you know like because they were supposed to babysit our son and I'm like yeah I haven't had contraction today so you know what I don't think it's gonna be for tonight don't worry but then at 10 at, at 8 p.m it started to like really like get contraction. I was eating and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I don't want to eat anymore, you know. And at 10 p.m., I went to bed and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. And then at midnight, I was like, yeah, no, now I can't sleep anymore. So I went into a bath and called my midwife and she said, okay, well, let's see for like an hour how it goes. I'm like, okay, but I do need a lot of head time because my friend needs to come here and it's like 45 minutes and I need to drive. It's another 45 minutes to the birth center because we had moved. So I'm like, I need a big time ahead. She's like, okay, well, if at 1 a.m. you still have contraction, it's pretty regular, just like call your friends. We called our friends and I think we got at the, we got at the birth center around 2.45 a.m. So at that point, like the started the, the work had really started. And so right away I went into the bathtub. Like it's a huge bathtub. I went there and I think I stayed there, stay there until 10 a.m. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. Um I did not want to get out, but it was hurting and I knew like I had to move to make things, you know, like I had to move up the, out of the bathtub. Mm. Yeah, yeah, to make the work progress, right? So mm. Went out, went on the bed, on the bowl, and I had like really bad, like it, the contraction burned my lower back. So uh, mm -hmm. like, I think my daughter was, uh, you know, like looking like this. I don't know, posterior? Stargazing. Star yes. Yeah, stargazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Star so, yes, and I had the first, I had the same issue with my son in the first place. So try everything to make a move. And, you know, at that time, my water hadn't broke and I was nine centimeters dilated, but nothing happened. So midwife is like, maybe we should start, you know, thinking about breaking your water. I'm like, okay. She broke my water. I went from nine to seven. What? And then I'm like, what the yeah. actual FF? And yeah. I didn't even I know was it was possible. Yeah, because the, the water, like, you know, the water, the, the it was... So it was, um, how do you say, pushing on my cervix. So it was kind of like, you know, but then up the water popped and then the, like, it wasn't there to push it anymore. So I went back to seven and, sh and I had still this issue with the, um, the stargazing and we tried everything. It was 12 PM by then. 
um, that she broke my water. And I, we, we said, okay, if by 2 p.m. 2 p.m. nothing happened, then we go to the hospital because I was getting tired. Where I had been there for 12 hours, nothing was happening. 2 p.m. came, <laughs> and so uh, we decided to transfer to the hospital. So I was at the hospital. Uh, so I took the ambulance and in Montreal, it's very well known for the bad roads, especially in the winter. So we have a lot of potholes. And when you have contraction every minute and you have potholes, it's a nightmare. Not fun. No. Luckily, uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Probably, yes. And <laughs> so like we drove and it was 15 minutes drive. So that was pretty good. But Yes, like I came to uh, the hospital, uh, got a COVID test, was lovely during contractions, and I got an epidural. And then it was the same OBGYN that I had for my birth, for my first son. I was very happy about it because she's very, like, very great. And so I explained the situation between two contractions, saying that my daughter's probably posterior, she's probably stargazing, so please give me as much epidural as you can because if you have to turn her I don't want to do that you know like anyway so they gave me like a lot of epidural but then she did the ultrasound and it happened that she had turned perfectly and I could feel it because it was pushing in my butt and I think it's thanks (laughs) to the potholes but so the only problem is that I yeah the problem yeah often the quadrants the car drive, yes. But the problem yeah. was they had host. given me Yeah, but they had given me so much epidural I couldn't feel my legs anymore. So because we oh, thought no. that we would have to turn, right? So anyway. The the nurse at the time said, You know what? I think that it's three thirty. Your daughter will be here before five forty five. I'm like, deal. And I'm like, you know, I can, I can feel pushing and, you know, so she's like, okay, let's try pushing. I'm like, yeah, I can't push. I don't have legs right now. So we waited another, I would say 45 minutes and, you know, like the monitor was starting to make a little bit more noise and um, I was still feel pushing in my butt. So she's like, okay, I think we should push now. And I pushed twice and she was out and she was perfect uh, she was on me like the second after i gave birth she stayed on me the whole time until the cord um they waited until the cord stopped you know like uh beating to cut it and mm-hmm. everything was done on me um at all times so i was very happy yeah so I it was, was very happy different from, from your son's yes. birth yeah. Yes. So, I mean, having having had told us those two birth experiences, and obviously all births are different, and, you know, we always expect, and, and as a doula, I always expect that the second time is less time-wise, but obviously, you know, yours wasn't le- that much less yeah. time-wise, and probably the, you know, because of the posterior, and that could have been for many reasons. But do you think you would have done anything different? I mean, I think you prepared really well. I, mean, I don't think there was anything else you could have done differently for either. I don't think I could have done anything differently. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I could have waited a bit longer, moved a bit longer. Who knows? You know, like, like we don't know. So, I mean, maybe I had the psychological effect as well, you know, of being like at the birth center for so long with no epidural and, and maybe I was afraid of the, the, the circle of fire, you know, who knows? Like, um, I don't know. But to me, it was 
a successful in a sense my baby was born in my arms like in a, in a second and she stayed there the whole time with me in my arms so like for me it was successful Absolutely. That was that was really important to you, yeah. After after yeah, Marius, yeah, birth. yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah. Marius, like I really realized that Mar- Marius' birth was really shitty, you know, in the sense of with everything that happened. I didn't realize at the time because you know you're you have the oxytocin levels and you're like in your own world. I don't think I would have done differently with Marius in the sense of like, you know, it was forty two weeks already, so I didn't want to risk to stay too long either in uh, the belly because of the meconium, you know, and all that thing. So I think it was also the right decision with Marius. And I think you've also got to take into account that it was the pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Or if, you know, yeah. Towards the beginning of it. So it's, you know, there was so much fear in the field, in, you mm-hmm. know, in the whole world. And, and of course, as a, as a mother, knowing that your child is coming and it's safe inside, but now it's got to come onto the outside. Yeah. Um, that that and and what I I experienced at that time is that women were either having very quick labors or very long labors because mm-hmm. they because were fearful. The yeah, yeah. Well, mine was uh, mine was long. Yeah, with with Iris, it was it was pretty long, but the pushing was really fast though. So yes, that was the plus I would say, and no yes. tearings as well. So well done, <laughs> well nice. done. <laughs> And uh, in all the things you you did to to prepare during your pregnancy, what did you find that helped you the most? I don't think there was one thing that prepared me the most. I think it was really everything that prepared me. Um, I think I needed everything. I did some um, some yoga when like for like two or three months, like it was actually okay to go in person. So I did maybe four classes, and then boom, you had to go back to you know like not being in person classes so the yoga the yoga really helped but the problem is with the pandemic it didn't last long and i am a person who cannot do yoga online so everything worked yes. i did a lot of breathing uh, pranayamas um that really helped to relax i knew what was coming as well right so it was a little bit easier but i think yeah. the autonomy as much as some People think it's a little bit on the high side. <laughs> Does help a bit. I think it really helped connect um, with my baby unknowingly. You know, like I was a bit um, skeptical about it, um, but I did go because at the end I could feel the connection a little bit stronger. I think that on my first baby. But again, maybe it's also because it was the second one. I have no idea. Mm. I'm not the kind of person who overanalyzes things. So, how did you o- overcome your your fears? Because that was something that was even, you know, preventing you from thinking you wanted to have children initially. The the the, the yoga training, the first the prenatal postnatal uh, postnatal yoga training, that's what helped me. And also having a doula explaining to me from A to Z how birth, like everything, happens. You know. When you're educated, when you're informed, you know it's natural. It's nature. Like we've been doing it for thousands of years. So, you know, we are mammals. Mammals do it too. It's natural. Yeah, exactly. I also felt that for me, being informed and educated about it, 
uh, really helped me to yeah. feel prepared and not feel as scared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. And also, I read a book that's quite old now, but um, this book really, really, I think from everything that I've done, I think this book really helped me let not fear the birth itself. And it was the book um, by, um, I think it's Lisa Kaplan. I think it's called Birthing by Yourself or something like that. I'll try to find it and let you know, but... Um, oh, lovely. It's uh, yeah. it's really the book. It's the book that helped me, um, like removing all the fears that I had about pregnancies and like giving birth. It's it's all about um, giving birth by yourself. So this woman, it's all it's birth stories about women who give birth with midwives or by them by them by themselves. So um, I'm gonna find it and uh, I'm gonna find it. Yeah, I'll let you know. How did the past postpartum go? If you look at you know, the first compared to the second, if you could just walk us through, you know, what the postpartum was like and, and, and what were the differences? So, yes, definitely my postpartum were so different. And the first, I would say the first thing is that the the, the few days after the, the birth, though, with Marius, um, so I gave birth at the hospital. I was at the hospital from the Monday to the Friday and I couldn't take it anymore because I really wanted to breastfeed and it wasn't latching on and it was it was really really hard all the nurses had different opinion about you know like how you should breastfeed and my boobs hurt and I as much as I was prepared for the birth I wasn't prepared for the postpartum and it was awful I think I I really hated it but the good thing, I had my husband here and also my mom. My mom was here as well. And that really, really helped me, you know, with everything else, obviously. I, I didn't like my month's postpartum. I had to run to appointments, you know, because you want to find the why of, is it why is it not latching on properly? What's the problem? I suck because my hormones like went down and my boobs are huge and uh, it hurts and you know it's all kind of feelings coming to your head and you have to try to breastfeed like an infant and it's tough so I went like I ran in like appointments uh, you know for like the um, uh, the restrictive you know like so I went to like three appointments. At the end, the most professional one told me, no, there's no point of like cutting it. Um, just, you know, just do some massages and stuff. But anyway, it was too late. Damage was damage was already done. So like I had to stop breastfeed after three weeks. It wasn't working. Sure. And I was devastated mm. and, you know, like too much pressure. Yeah. That in addition to that, you know, I had also to run to appointments for his dilated kidneys to do ultrasound. And then at the ultrasound for the kidney, which was fine, they found out a cyst in his lymphatic system around the abdomen. So they wanted me to do an um, MRI, like go do an MRI to Oof. like a two weeks old. Yeah, no, we don't need to like uh, anest like no anesthesia is necessary. You just have to starve him for like um, you know twelve hours, and then when you come, um, you feed him. He's gonna fall asleep, and you know no, the MRI machine is not gonna rem like yeah, 
um, I could not go in the MRI. I'm like, I'm not doing it. So my husband did it. Obviously, he woke up after like 20 seconds of the MRI being on. And so the, 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 the nurse said, well, you're going to have to come back. We're going to have to do full anesthesia. I'm like, oh my oh. God. I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm like, are there any other solutions? She's like, well, you could wait two or three months. I don't remember. And we have this syrup that makes them sleep and you can do the MRI that, that way. So I told, I talked to my midwife. I'm like, you know, this is not working. I do not want to do that. I don't see any urgency doing this. So like, I'm going to talk to the pediatrician and see what she thinks. And so I went to the pediatrician and she says, you know what? We're not going to do um, MRI. Um, it's fine. We'll uh, just refer you to the uh, surgeon, pediatrician surgeon, like general surgery. And so now we have a follow-up every month, uh, every year by ultrasound to make sure that everything is fine. But see, that's a lot of stress to put on a two weeks new mom, parents, yeah, anything, that's crazy. right? And so my postpartum was really not ideal. So for my yeah. second one, that's what I feared the most. wasn't the birth, it was the postpartum <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and the breastfeeding. But that time, you know, like for the breastfeeding, I had told myself, no pressure. You either it works, either it doesn't work. You have the bottles, you're still feeding your babies, you're still uh, being a good mom. Yeah. So that's fine. And first, we left the hospital the same day I gave birth. So I gave birth at five, at seven, I was home. So that first was really helpful, right? Because I was able to be at home. And second, I had told my husband, we're going to do the one month. So where I'm, I stay in bed. And yeah, so nice. I sat in bed, I stayed at home, I had food, um, I had everything Amazing. and it was very, it was very nice. Like I was taken care of, obviously, you know, I still have a, I still had another baby to take care of as well. The breastfeeding, she was actually latching on pretty well, but I did mixed, I don't know how you say, but you know, breastfeeding and bottles at the same times. Mm -hmm. And I realized that breastfeeding was probably not for me. So I breastfed for six weeks plus the, the bottle. Mm -hmm. And after six weeks, I stopped. And I was okay with that. So um, I had no follow-up appointment too much. You know, like I just went to see the midwife maybe three times during that month. It was so much easier. Honestly, so much easier. And even if it was the pandemic, you know, like days, beautiful days were coming because, you know, spring was coming, obviously, because, you know, it's Canada, it's North, North Hemisphere. So I was able to get out because uh, we live, you know, like in, uh, in the countryside. So I was able to like, I'm in the burbs. So I was able to walk after like a month. And I did my uh, pelvic floor education as well with a very good pelvic floor um, physiotherapist. So, you know, like this second pregnancy plus postpartum was definitely so much easier on my mental health as well. It was lovely. Yeah. I will never have an October baby anymore. anymore. <laughs> yeah, like um, October, it's depressing because then winter comes and, you know, like plus the pandemic arrived after, you know, like with Marius after like a month, I was going back to climbing at the gym with other moms. And I climbed for like five months, probably two, three times a week with him in toes. But then pandemic hit 
and I was stuck at home. It was awful. So the second postpartum was definitely better. Yeah. And it's so what do you minute, think helped you, you, you the most? Sorry, Deb. No, go, go ahead. What, what do you think helped you the most with the postpartum? Was it just being more prepared, having known what you did wanted, wanted to avoid and what you wanted to do, do differently? I mean, was that the only thing because you'd done it before and you knew what worked and what didn't? Or was there something else that you think? So first, I was a little bit more prepared for breastfeeding. You know, like um, I had bought those wonderful, um, how do you say, shell that works super well. Um, I think I had sent that uh, that link to uh, Debo because uh, I think yes. that's what worked the best for me. So it wasn't as painful. And obviously, the, the fact to tell myself, okay, you know, if you don't want to breastfeed, that's fine. You just breastfeed as much as you can. And when you're done and you think and you start thinking it's going to affect your uh, mental health, you stop. And, you know, having that uh, limit put into my head saying, okay, you know, it's fine. It's okay. Then I was much better place. And of course, you know, having done it once, I knew it was going to be easier. And also the fact that I had a February baby, you know, I had a baby in the midst of the winter in Canada and it's very cold. So the fact that, you know, it made staying at home a bit easier for a month, you know, like not having pressure to go outside because it's beautiful outside and, you know, forcing myself to take fresh air and stuff. I just stayed home and it was fine for like a month. And uh, after that, March came and weather starting to be nice and we had a wonderful April month, I remember. So living in such a beautiful area and being able to walk and go outside, it was lovely. So yeah, that having, I would never have an October baby if I can anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember you plan you planned your second baby because so they were supposed to get married the year of the pandemic. And then I had to postpone yeah. the wedding. And she, she told me, well, if we're not getting married, we're having a baby, and a second baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because we had postponed the wedding to August 2021. And I, I told Debo, I'm like, you know, like, we'll see how, it, how the pandemic goes. But if by May it's still not, you know, like happening, then we'll push the wedding to 2022 and we'll have a baby. And that's what happened. It worked <laughs> fast Perfectly. i wasn't expecting it to be i wasn't expecting to work out that fast you know i thought oh i would have an april baby maybe may you know and it's she was like, and she was born on valentine's day and she was born on Val and i had said i don't want a valentine's day baby but i got a valentine's <laughs> day baby yeah so, Sorry, so yeah. often you know the mind is like that that whatever we push away and we don't want that's exactly what we get uh, either to <laughs> exactly. teach us or just that's because how the mind works yeah. 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 But that's okay. You know, that's okay. Like, uh, she's a wonderful baby. They're both wonderful. But, you know, like, yeah, it's this is how it happened. And if I have to have a third one, I'll definitely plan around the same way, meaning, you know, uh, probably I'll plan for like a, anywhere between February and April <laughs> birth. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so. And speaking about postpartum, you mentioned that um, you stayed in bed for 30 days after you gave birth. Mm -hmm. um, Mostly. And I love, I love that. And I think everyone should do that. 
So can you tell mm -hmm. us um, why you wanted to do that and how, how did you manage? So obviously you need to be either very well prepared or you need to have more hands to help out, especially if you have two kids. Obviously my son was going to daycare, so that was a little bit easy because he wasn't here during the day. But we prepared a lot of meals before. And because it was winter, it's really very nice, right? So you have, um, you can eat a lot of soup, uh, very hydrating, you know, like um, chicken stocks and kind of things like that. And I actually had um, a book for um, postpartum kitchen nice. that I can also find if you need. It's in English as well. So yeah, preparing the food uh, was one thing. And I would say, because we didn't have any help, obviously it was the pandemic, so no parents could come, right? So basically for the first two weeks, my husband was at home. So it made things easier. If I needed something, you know, I sat in bed and it was very nice. And then for the two weeks after, uh, he was back to work. So I obviously had to get up a bit during the day, but I honestly managed to be like to just go down get the stuff I needed and then go back to bed I managed to just yeah stay in bed pretty much the whole time but the food especially when you don't have help the food is really good also a postpartum doula that you can have is also very useful they can um, help you um, you know with uh, chores at home if you need to It does have a price, but uh, here we are lucky. My company covers what we call naturopathy and, mid, uh, and doula in uh, Canada are a part of the naturopath order. So they can, we can get reimbursed for that kind of services. So, you know, it's, it's really nice, honestly, Lovely. to have someone to help you. Yeah. yeah so amazing. be prepared. Pre be prepared, especially when, you, when it's your first and you don't know what to expect. It's nice to have help at home for food and everything. And also I had been back on my feet very fast with Marius. I had this pressure of saying, Hey, I'm a super mom. I can go back to climbing and walking and running and stuff. But at the end, you know, take the time for yourself. It's really important. I think for your body to heal, like it's not all about tearing. It's about the inside, you know, like all the organs are going back to place and you're going to have like maybe constipation, maybe lovely hemorrhoid, you know, you don't know what you're going to have. And mm. it takes time to heal after a birth. And um, some women don't realize it because we feel so much pressure about going back, you know, to our old life, but it is not our old life. It's a new life and it's a new, the body, you know, it's, It's a lot to go through a pregnancy, to go through a birth. Um, it's a lot of hormonal imbalance that you have to deal with as well. So being in a quiet environment as much as you can, obviously, because you have a new baby. But, you know, like, you have time to go out. Like, take your time. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, that's true. I think a lot of women feel that pressure of... Um, okay, I need to go back to work and I need to go back to my old self. I need to lose weight. I need to do this and that. All that pressure, yeah. it's a, a lot yeah. on, on the mental health as well. And I think we underestimate it. it. We do. And in, in, in Canada, we are very, very, very lucky to be able to take a one-year um, paid um, maternity and parental leave. Wow. Yeah. So in, in Canada, so I'm in Quebec, which is even better, but in Canada overall, it's um, 
you can take up to 18 months of wow, uh, that's amazing. Obviously, you don't get paid 100%, right? So you get paid, I think in Canada, it's 55% up to a maximum of $60,000 a year. But in Quebec, you get, so you get 18 months, no, you get, so it's 12 months, but you get um, 18 weeks of maternity leave paid 75% of your salary. Um, and the maximum salary, I think it's $90,000 now. And then you get uh, 55 for the rest of the parental leave. And dad gets five, five weeks. And yeah, it's, and then your, your company also sometimes tops up, mine tops for like eight weeks. So, you know, like you don't have the stress to going back to work. So it does help, you know, like um, it's not like France, who is supposed to be a very progressive and social country. And yet you get only what is it? 10 weeks, 12 weeks. It's nothing. Yeah, it's like, nothing. How can, you, how can you ask a mom to be back to work at three months when the baby is so tiny? I will be so scared. I think I would have even taken the time like I wouldn't have bothered. Well, you know, Olivia, here in South Africa, the maternity leave is three to four months and, and the company can decide whether they pay you or not and how much they pay you. But that's okay. the normal. And then a lot of people take unpaid leave for about six months if they can financially. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. very different and it, it impacts the woman, the mother, it impacts the child. And, yeah. and that's what I think people are realizing more and more around the world is that we need to look at the role of a of a mother a mother is the most important thing in the world actually and everybody came from a mother like yep. it's so vitally important <laughs> that we treat yes. mothers with what they need yeah definitely it's not in the u.s that's going to happen but canada and quebec definitely are very good and france for like I mean, I come from France and I've always thought that we were in a good place in France. Like, wow, like, but no, my mom took, uh, so with my, with my brother, my mom took um, unpaid parental after the, the maternity because she knew that she didn't want to let him go yeah. yet. Um, I, yeah. I went, I did go like back to daycare, I think when I was four months, I, it's too early to leave your kids. Like, mm. I can't, I can't imagine leaving my kids at that age. So, mm -hmm. yeah, like there is definitely some progress to be made on that part. Yes, yeah. definitely. So as we are wrapping up, what words of wisdom would you like to share with moms about becoming parents uh, that you wish you were told before? Uh, well, first, don't stress it. It's wonderful to be a mom. I know you don't know what to expect. Yes, it's hard as hell sometimes, but it is so cool to see like to to raise kids and to see them grow have their own personality being so innocent giving you hugs and love like it's wonderful honestly it's the best thing but i would say yes be informed be prepared uh because you know like medically like so many things can go wrong with medical sometimes it, it is necessary obviously but sometimes like it's so unnecessary. Like a C-section, for instance, is is it it really is like a big operation. It's like a big surgery. Like they cut through so much layer of your skin. And I've always said, no, 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 no. I will never have a C-section. If I don't have to, you do whatever you can. I don't want a C-section. And I think that, you know, like 
woman needs to be informed that this is natural birth should be the option before C-section, um, unless necessary, you know. Because right now, for instance, in the U.S., they're having a lot of shortage of the epidural drug, for instance. Woman needs to be prepared to give natural birth with no painkillers, like no, no epi, epidural, like, mm. because it's going to be reserved for C-section, right? So, like, be informed, be prepared, read a lot, listen to a lot of birth stories, because I think that the more you listen to experiences, the more you're going to be aware of every kind of birth there is. And yeah, so that's the first thing. Do a birth plan. Birth plan, uh, birthing plan is really useful because obviously, you know, even an OBGYN, um, I mean, at least my OBGYN that like she took the time to read my my plan, right? So she knew what I wanted, what I didn't want, and she respected it. And that was really important for me. Um, and when I uh, saw her again for my second birth, I told her, you guys pushed on my uterus the first birth and I wasn't happy with it. It hurt. And she said, yeah, that's true. I remember your, your, your birth, the, the birth, it was a, a hard, a complicated one, but we, we did what we had to do. I'm like, yeah, but you could have asked for, like, for it, right? Uh, ask for my consent and explain me the risks. You didn't. So be informed, be prepared. And if you can afford, I don't know what's, how, how it works in, in, in South Africa, but having a doula is wonderful because your husband can definitely take care of you, of you and your birth. Your, your doula can take care of everything else. Like they can be the intermediaries between you and the medical staff and she will be the Chinese wall. You know, like she will be the great wall. She will be saying no, like she said no. So no, um, <laughs> no, but that's true. You know, like yeah. you need someone to advocate for you and, and, and people like women are not aware that they can make their own decision, their own choices. Like a doctor wants to do that. No, I said, no. Yeah. But it would make things easier for, for who, for you or for the mother. Right. So really important. If you can afford to have a doula, a birth doula, um, take one. Because honestly, it's the best you can have. It's a doula. Your husband can focus on you, on the birth of your baby. My husband caught my two babies. Like, even when it was hard, like, they let him catch the babies. It was in my birth Aww. plan, right? <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. He held my son for five, five seconds, but he did held him for five seconds before it went, right? So our wishes were respected. And I think because we were informed that we could say no. Like be educated, yes. be informed, read a lot. And the book I was telling you about is called An Assisted Childbirth. Uh, and it's from uh, Laura Kaplan. Okay. It's uh, obviously it's more about birth from the 70s and the 80s, but it's still, you know, like the super birth. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you also have the Iname um, Guide to Childbirth that I read. It's really good. Yeah. You also have Childbirth Without Fear. That's also a really good book. Take charge. Take charge of your of your birth. Like it's your body and it's your baby. So love it. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have yeah. said it better. Yeah. Sure. And um that's it. I think. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about childbirth and everything like 
all day long. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. It was lovely to meet you. you. Of course, I've heard a little bit about you before tonight. And <laughs> I love listening to birth stories and hearing them yeah. and and all that goes with them. So thank you so much for for accepting to speak. No, thank yeah. you for having me. Uh, delighted to share my stories. I think uh, that's how we're going to change the, the world little by little. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Olivia. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and thank you for sharing your stories. Uh, I loved hearing them again. And um, <laughs> thank you for all the wisdom that you've shared tonight. <laughs> no, thank you. I love sharing it. And uh, yeah, um, I love advocating and, you know, I hope someday to be a doula as well. So we'll see. So it would be a wonderful um, yeah. doula. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I will see you soon. Yes. <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Listening to this story again, um, what I, I found really striking in Olivia's story is her resilience. Yes. Um, the, her first birth didn't go as she was um, expecting, although she was very prepared she decided to prepare even more and have a, a baby very soon after the first one. Um, so I think it's really a lesson of resilience, of strength, that even if you had a first birth that was difficult, doesn't mean that the second birth is going to be difficult. I think I, I really love that, you know, she really did prepare and it also reminds the audience that no two births are the same. And even if, like you say, you have not such a nice birth, the first time or less than what you wanted, it can be different the next time. And even the third birth, if that's what people are planning to have, you know, more than two children, um, that births really are unique and, and special. She, she's really funny, uh, but at the same time, she's telling things that were not easy for her to tell. I think, um, especially the first birth, that she had been separated from her baby for many hours after the birth. That was quite traumatic. Um, and I think it's important to talk about these things that um, even though, you know, you, you're full of hormones once you have your baby, it's, it is traumatic and it's important to talk about it. And it also reminded me that reach out to your friends after they give birth, reach out to them one week after they give birth, two weeks after they give birth, one month, three months. And now, you know, her babies are bigger, but she told me that uh, she's struggling because she's managing a full time job. Uh, all the house calls, because in the U.S., you know, it's quite uh, pricey to get a nanny. So they are uh, at daycare. And she told me, it's hard. I'm exhausted. I don't have one second for myself. And I reminded myself, you know, I need to reach out to her and just check how she's doing. So I think it's reminding a, a good reminder for us. Uh, we are also friends to mothers to reach out to them and check how they're doing. Absolutely, because postpartum is for the rest of your life. It's not just when they're a month old or three months old. It's, you know, it's hard at all stages. There are hard times. Yeah, you know, it reminds me, um, Theoni, that uh, after I gave birth, you were texting me every day to ask me how we were doing, the three of us. And I really appreciated that because a family gets so excited and they, all they ask is for pictures of the baby. But I don't ask you, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you okay? And it was really hard, the postpartum period. And um, I think it's so important that you do that as a doula. Thank you so much for listening today. 
And join us in two weeks' time where we will be sharing another beautiful story, uh, three stories actually with Mia as she talks about all her different birth experiences. I've, I've got a new saying since I, I had a third child, and that is, it is what it is. When people used to say that to me before, I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, no, it doesn't have to be what it is. You can change it. We can make it work. You know, you can adapt, you know, something like change it. But since having Mika, I've realized it is what it is. You have to take the situation and deal with it because no matter what you do differently, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You know, you can't control everything. And trying to control everything makes it worse than than um, just going with the flow. So, yeah, the third child has taught me to really relax and just take it all in my stride. It is what it is and how it's going to be will be and you must just go with it. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Mother podcast. We hope you felt inspired, touched, and that you learned something. Feel free to share the love and share this episode with your sisters, your mother, and your friends. Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook, becomingmother.podcast, and you can email us at becomingmother.podcast at gmail.com. If you feel called to share your story, reach out to us.